Well, we're so glad to be able to come into your homes today and share with you a word that we believe God has given us to encourage you. Before we begin our time today, let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for this day. We're grateful that you are God and God alone. You have all authority. You have all power. And Lord, we acknowledge you today. We lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we acknowledge you that you might direct our path. Oh God, we pray that in this hour, in these perilous times, that you give us strength and you give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. While those who are listening with us today, oh God, I pray that through the airwaves that you begin to, to bless, you begin to bring peace, you begin to bring strength to the weary and broken heart, oh God. We look to you in this hour, and we pray, pray indeed that you will give us the confidence and the boldness of our faith that even in these times, oh God, we can change the game, that we can understand the call that you have upon our lives, and that we can still do the work of the ministry. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. God bless you in your homes today. Again, we're going to deal with this thought today of game changers from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Many of you have heard this story before, the story of David and Goliath, and we understand that we're dealing with a Goliath in our lives right now. These are uncertain times, but God helps us to understand that although it's uncertain, he can give us peace and confidence in the midst of this storm. We named this game changer simply because we believe that there are some moments, some pivotal moments in our lives that can change our atmosphere. It can change how we do things. It can change our very lives. And here in the last few weeks, our lives have drastically changed. How we communicate with one another has changed. How we uh, deal with our employers and employees has changed. How we go about our daily lives, how we're entertained today, things have changed in a drastic way because of a virus. But I believe that things can change because of our faith. And when we look at this story, we find out, number one, I want you to understand that a game changer is a pivotal moment that we know in a game, like in a sports game, that determines victory or defeat. One who will step up and make a big play that affects the outcome of a game. It's a decision or an action that changes the momentum of a situation in either a negative or a positive way. When we heard this news about this virus, it has affected us in such a negative way. And these are the things that we're hearing in the headlines more than any. But also, if we step back and begin to look how God is broadening the reach of the church, we would be amazed. Just in the online church, in the past week, 25,000 churches have gone online. Over 12,000 souls have been saved just through online ministries. It's a pivotal moment in the history of the church. And I recall a pivotal moment that happened in the summer of 2016. There was the game on the line, the 2016 uh, basketball NBA Finals, where the face-off had come between LeBron James and the, the, the Cavaliers, and he was facing off against the Golden State Warriors. 
when he talked about this particular team that they would be facing in the finals, he called them Jurgenauts. In other words, he respected that, that they came with great power, they were going to be some opponents, that they wouldn't be easy to beat. So he understood what he was about to face. In church, I understand and hope that in this moment, in this hour, we recognize what is at stake, that we recognize and we're careful to see just how big this situation is. But although this situation is big, I believe that our God is bigger. So when they faced off, when they faced off, they went into this series and within four games, the Cleveland Cavaliers was down three to one. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget when, when after the fourth game, um, Clay Thompson Clay Thompson made a statement in an interview to say that LeBron James was just whining on the court. And I remember when LeBron James was interviewed, someone asked him well, he, if he had heard the statement that Clay Thompson had made. And he said, no, what, what did he say? And when they repeated it to him, he was like, oh, hmm. And I believe that was the moment. That was the pivotal moment that changed and shifted the momentum in the series because when he came back um, from three to one in this series, things began to shift and things began to change. Game number five, they came back and brought themselves out of the hole and, and brought the championship finals to three and two. And I gotta be honest, I remember watching this with my family and I told them I can't watch anymore. I can't take it anymore. When they were down three and one, they might as well just throw in the towel. They should give up. But they said, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to watch and cheer our team on. And it came back. They, they were in the finals three to three. And now they're headed to a game number seven. And nowhere in the history of the NBA finals had a team come back from a deficit of three and one. And all of a sudden, as the ball began to hit the court and you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you're wondering who's going to come out on the top of this, history was made that the Cleveland Cavaliers won a championship coming back from a three to one deficit. I don't know about you today, but that's good news to hear just in a life historical story that he would bring this team and bring his city a win that hadn't seen a sports win in 52 years. He made history. Do you not know that today we could do the very same thing? We could change the game. By our prayer, by our faithfulness to God, we can change the game. And God is wanting to change the game in each and every one of our lives today. But in order to change the game, we got to face our fears. We got to face our fears. We, the, the first factor that we have to face is our fear. When you open up this story and you begin to read the pages of 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse number one, we find out that the, the, the Philistine army is coming up against Israel. When they're coming up against them, they're, they're marching into Israel's territory and begin to set up camp in order to position themselves for an invasion and to take over their territory. 
And the news gets back to King Saul at the time. And King Saul began to band all his men, his fighting men together. And they began to march down and to face off with them. It's almost like seeing the NFL and the two team captains. They begin to face off for the coin toss. And they're standing across from one another to see who will get the ball first. And listen, listen, listen. In the story, as they're facing off, can you imagine that, that this army is coming against them? They had heard about how great this army was. They had heard about all the victories and all the feats that they had. And, and as Israel came out and they took their place and the Philistines took their place, no one would advance toward one another. Then all of a sudden, things had been quiet for a while, but all of a sudden, Goliath steps on the scene. Oh, my God. Not, not only are they coming to invade the territory, but Goliath steps out for the Philistines. And when he steps out, he, they say, we're not going to invade you with all the army. The first thing we're going to do, we're going to send out one of our champions. He's the greatest fighting man from Gath of the Philistines. When he began to step on the scene and approach them, he began to intimidate them. He began to, to taunt them and say, who is it who's able to come out and face me? He began to defy the armies of the living God. He began to intimidate them and put fear in their heart. Why? Because of what he looked like. Just the mere fact of seeing Goliath brought fear and trepidation into the hearts of, Israelis, of Israel's army. Let me tell you why. Number one, he stood over nine foot tall. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's an NBA coach's dream player to have a player of that size, that massive strength that Goliath had. And the, the story goes on to talk about the spear and the rod that he carried said that over 500 or 600 shekels was just the spear, the rod that he carried. And it was intimidating. People were terrified to come and step to him. And I don't know about you today, but maybe you're facing a Goliath on today. Maybe you're facing something that's big, something that's great in front of you that you don't feel as if you can penetrate it or ever even overcome it. Oh yes, he, he, he was a champion. He was a large nine foot tall man. His armor of bronze weighed 5,000 shekels. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. Verse number seven says, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels his shield bearer went ahead of him. Oh my God, he brought fear into their heart. Then verses nine and 10 says, if he's able to fight, he calls them out. He's calling them out. And he says, if this person is able to fight and kill me, he said, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Verse number 10 says, then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. He said, give me a man and let us fight each other. Winner takes all. He literally and essentially was saying, hey, if, 
if you can take me, winner takes all. Not only are they coming to invade them, but they're coming to intimidate them. Now look at the impact of all of this. Look at the response of all this in verses 11 and 16. Verse number 11 says, On hearing the Philistines' words, King Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. One man, not the whole army, but one man steps forth and begins to defy the armies of the living God. And it says that their leader, King Saul, and all the army were in fear and dismay. It would be one thing if it happened one day. But it's another that it didn't just happen one day. This went on for 40 long days. And I don't know how long you've been dealing with this fear and trepidation in your life. Some of us have been dealing with things not only months, but we've been dealing with them for years. Some of us have been dealing with some Goliaths in our lives for generations. And I believe it's the time now to have a game changer. This is the time now to, to break the curse off of your family. It says for 40 days, he intimidated and taunted, taunted them. Verse 16 says, for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening. Get this, not just in the morning, but also in the evening, he took his stand. The enemy came against God's people and took his stand in the morning and in the evening. Have you ever had something that, that has so pressured you, that has been so big in your life, that you thought about it all the time? You could never take your mind off of it? I believe that's where people are at, even in this moment, that pastors are preaching more corona than they are how big their God is. It's on our minds day and night morning, noon, and evening, it's become, we've become consumed by the virus. But here's what I want to help you to understand today is that each and every one of us in life, we face giants. We face Goliaths. We face issues in our lives that, that, that we have to fight against. And it, it's time right now that that you get ready to go to battle. It's time right now that you prepare yourself for war. I don't know what your giant is. I don't know what your Goliath is, but we all have some. Is there a habit? Is there a sin? Is there a person even? Maybe a situation that is bullying you around and, and taking control of your life. And many times the things that take control of our lives isn't just our present, but also our past that control us, not only our past and our present, but even our future, that, that begin to bully us. What is it in your life that is taunting you and saying that you're not a child of God? I recall when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy came to him with, with a legitimate need and wanted him to satisfy it in an illegitimate way. 
but in each circumstance that he was being pulled on, that he was being tested in with the pride of life, with, with the lust of the flesh and, and the lust of the eyes, Jesus began to declare the very word of God. So it doesn't matter what habit, what sin, what person or situation that is bullying you around, that's a Goliath in your life, you can stand on the word of God. Maybe today it's, it's worry. Maybe you have a Goliath of, of smoking or some of us have a, a, a cursing ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of us got a cussing ministry. Others of us have a, a gossiping ministry. Then there are those who, who battle with alcohol and addictions and drug habits and bad tempers. Maybe your issue could be an illicit sexual affair or some bad influences, the company that you hang around. There are many giants in our lives who might try to dominate us. And I don't know which giant is trying to dominate you. It could be that these giants have been harassing you for far too long. They've been influencing your life. And if you have such a giant in your life, you can be sympathetic to even Saul in Israel's army, though they were intimidated. You, you can be sympathetic to that today because they needed help. They needed someone to step in the gap. And it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to say that I need some help. It's okay to say that I need a champion greater than a giant that I'm facing. It's okay today to say I need help. Is it you today that need deliverance from your fear? Is it you today that need a champion greater than a giant that you face? There's a fear factor. If, if we're ever going to change the game, we have to be willing to face and confront our fears or our fears will confront us. But here's what I love about God's word is that God has not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power, love, and that of a sound mind. I don't know if this giant, this Goliath in your life is keeping you up at night, causing you to worry, causing you to fret, causing you not to eat, causing you not to sleep at night. But God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. In other words, he's helping us to understand that he can give us peace. Peace you can't find in alcohol, peace you can't find in drugs, peace you can't find in sex, but Jesus says, I will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. It's interesting this week, while people are quarantined in their homes, I see folks on Facebook taking shots of Hennessy. Yeah, it, it may appear to be some fad, some trend right now, but can you imagine do they think they're drinking away their problems, their worries, and their issues? There's a fear factor. But what I like about David is he has a focus factor. We find this in verses 12 through 22. That's, that's when we're introduced to the game changer in this particular story. In this story, we see that David now enters onto the scene. Yes, we, we recognize Goliath. And now all of a sudden, David steps on the scene. 
You wouldn't think that this would make much of a difference because David, while his older brothers have gone out to battle, to war with King Saul, David has been back tending to his father Jesse's sheep. And every now and then, his father would send him down to the lines to take his brothers some food while they were there in their battle positions. You would think that this game changer would be someone who could stand toe to toe in the same weight class as a Goliath. But when you find out in a story that David is simply a 15 year old boy who's been tending his father's sheep and he shows up on the scene and everything begins to shift. Everything begins to change. David, when he comes out, he's going just to deliver some lunch to his brothers. And all of a sudden, he sees this Goliath come out in the middle of the battlefield. And once again, he's taunting Israel. He's defying the armies of the living God. He's dealt with this week after week after week. And now David sees it for himself. And not only does David see it, but when he sees it, he changes his perspective and says, what, what's really going on? And we need some folk like this today who can change the game and look at what's happening in our world. Instead of falling prey to it, we can change our perspective and say, we can do something about it. David witnessed this, but he was unwilling to allow it to continue. He recognized the fear in God's people and he questioned how long must this go on? He said, no, 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 this, this has to stop and it has to stop now. What was the difference between Saul and Israel's army and this 15 year old little boy? Well, I can tell you the difference is that Saul and Israel was more concerned about self-preservation trying to keep themselves alive. They're unwilling to fight for what matters most. There was so much at stake. Their families were at stake. Their, their, their God, the name of their God was at stake because not only did he taunt them, but he taunted their God. All this is at stake. Their witness is at stake and they're unwilling to go to war and go to battle because they're trying to preserve their reputations. I believe sometimes the reason why the church doesn't move as swiftly as we should is because the, the, the church is more concerned about not ruining our reputation so therefore we don't want to take risks. We don't want to be seen with people who are broken and who are hurting. We don't want to be seen with the prostitute. We don't want to be seen um, with, with the drug addict. So we will steer clear because we want to preserve some things in our lives. They were more focused on themselves. But the difference in David is that David's focus was on the glory of God. We find this in verse number 26. It says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Essentially what he was saying, 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares to defy the armies of the living God? Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? What he understood is circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It, what, what you understood as being a child of God and, and following the one and true and living God under Israel they understood that when they were circumcised, it meant you're cutting away some things in your life that you have made priority in order that God could be your covenant. Get this. A covenant is simply like it is not a contract, but a covenant is an agreement between one person and another. So God came into agreement with us. And God says, if you obey me, he says, I will cover you. His covenant covers you. It's like an umbrella. An umbrella, when you go out into the rain, um, it can be raining all around you. But if you open up your umbrella, the elements won't get on you. You won't get drenched like everyone else. You'll see the elements, they'll be around you. You may feel the residue of the elements around you. But if you have your umbrella, you don't get soaking wet. And I believe God, we, we can be in a covenant with God, but some of us are unwilling to open the umbrella of the word of God to cover us and shield us in moments such as these. He understood that he had a covenant with God. Who is this uncovenanted Philistine who dare defies the armies of the living God? Now, here's the thing. Whenever you step up to be a game changer, you got to understand that everybody won't be with you. Let me give you this warning. Here's, here's some station identification just to help you to understand some warning signs because everybody won't be as excited as you. When David stepped up, number one, King Saul came. King Saul came and he told David that he was incapable of defeating Goliath. And if that wasn't enough, that someone from outside of his family would dare tell him that he's incapable. Also, on the front lines, he's bringing food to care for his brothers. And his brothers themselves said, why are you out here meddling? <laughs> because everybody won't be with you. Everybody's not going to trust God in moments like this the way you will. They're going to believe more in what the news station is going to say. They're going to believe more about um, and, and try to find blame and try to find reasons for why this is happening. They're going to try to find um, someone to say, maybe, maybe it's a government conspiracy, but David is saying, trust in God. Trust in God. Let's not try to figure all those things out. Do you not know that you don't get anywhere worrying about who to blame? But when you look to Jesus, he says, all things are possible. See, one of the greatest reasons in our lives that we fail to see more victories over the giants and the Goliaths in our lives is because we deem things too impossible. But what I like about God's word is what we forget about God's word is like Jeremiah 32, 17 says, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Watch this. It says nothing is too hard 
for you. I like Luke 137, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. Luke 18, 27 says, Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. See, you gotta put your trust and your hope in God. Lean on him, not on your own imagination. Matter of fact, the Bible says, cast down every thought and every imagination that's contrary to the word of God. This is a time like any other that you should saturate yourself in prayer and in the word of God that you might be strengthened and built up in your most holy faith. And get this, when you do so, you're going to be able to stand. And no matter what giant, no matter what Goliath come against you and try to back you down, push you down, intimidate you and cause fear in your life, you'll be able to stand on the very word of God. You got to move on. Then there's the faith factor. What changed the game is that David was focused. He was not focused on what was standing before him, but he was focused on his God. David was not focused on trying to preserve his life, but he was focused on the power of of God and bringing glory and honor to God. What can we do in this season to bring glory and honor to God? Maybe some things we can do is, is still reach out to our loved ones, still find ways that we can serve one another in our community. What can we do to bring glory and honor to God? Get someone over the airwaves, call them up and begin to pray for someone. There are still ways in this season that we can bring glory and honor to God. Because David focused on the issue of God's glory being at stake, he had the faith that God would give him the victory. Verses 34 through 37, we understand that David remembers his past victories. What am I saying there? David remembers that he's been in a position, perhaps not like this one. He's never faced Goliath, but he's faced a bear. He's never faced Goliath, but he's faced a lion. And I don't know about you, not only do I not want to face a Goliath, I certainly wouldn't want to face a lion and a bear. But he remembers that while he was tending his father's sheep, that the lion and the bear came against him and he slew the lion and the bear. Oh my God. He trusted by faith that God will continue to deliver by giving victory over Goliath. He's saying essentially that if God could do that, if God could give me the strength and the wherewithal and the wisdom to overcome the lion and the bear to preserve my daddy's sheep, I know good and well that God can do even greater than this to overcome this uncircumcised Philistine who dared defies the armies of the living God. My, my God's witness is at stake here and I won't back down. Not only do he remember past victories, but also Saul began to make a suggestion to him. See, when, when you put your faith forward, you have to be careful who you listen to. Although Saul was the king and in, in a position of authority, he made a suggestion to David, well, if you're going to go out there, 
Number one, he didn't believe that David could ever defeat Goliath, but he said, since you're going to go, anyway, why don't you put on my armor? And he began to take his armor, his shield, his belt, his sword, his helmet, and began to put it on David, and David tried to maneuver and tried to, to mobilize himself to move about with Saul's armor on, and he said, this don't fit. This don't fit. And, and there are some saints today. You're trying to fit yourself in some things that don't work for you. It's not going to work for you to continue to listen to the news 24-7 and try to make sense of all of this. It's here. And the way we're going to fight, we're going to fight on our knees. The way we're going to fight, we're going to fight through studying the word of God. The way we're going to fight is to train up our children while we're home with them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I get it. I get it. Saul meant well to make this suggestion. He had given David all his armor. He had given it to him for protection. But it was too big and it was too bulky. What am I saying here? I'm saying we're putting on some, some weight in our own lives by being consumed with this coronavirus. It's too bulky. It's too big for you to deal with. People are trying to post all types of remedies and, and everything. Let me tell you what the remedy is. Let, let the folk who can figure that out, the scientists, the doctors, let them figure that out. And then in the meantime, you pray for them. You pray that God gives them the wisdom to come up with a vaccine. You pray, you pray about things that you can't handle. <laughs> are you hearing me? Stop worrying about things you cannot change. Because it's too big, it's too heavy, and too bulky for you. So sometimes people try, try to help us in our fight with our giants, but their help relies on human wisdom and not on God. Some people are trying to figure out who's at fault. We're trying to figure out the remedy through home remedies, and God says, look to me. David knew the right equipment. He had tried on Saul's equipment. It didn't fit, so he took it off. And he knew equipment that worked for him because when he protected his father's sheep, he simply had in his hand his staff, and he knew that he could take a sling and a few rocks. And that's simply what he did. He, he said, let, let me use something that I know works for me. So when he grabbed his sling, and it fit five smooth stones, put them in his hand, and he began to advance toward Goliath. Now, here's the craziest thing. When Goliath saw him coming, he began to laugh. Like, this is who you send out against me. This, this little boy, what, what, what do you think I am, a dog or something? What, what are you to come out and think that you can handle me? And I know there are some people who are looking at the church right now and think, oh, it's not going to matter for you just to pray. Because we're saying that that's all it takes. Prayer works. Prayer works. Studying the word of God works. I don't care what enemy begins to laugh at you and begin to bark at you and think, oh, none of that's going to work. 
We've seen time and time again throughout our history that prayer can heal, that prayer can deliver, that prayer can set captives free. We got to use what works for us as the believer. So David confronts, confronts him. In verse number 46, he says, this day the Lord will. I like his confidence. I like his boldness. He says, this day the Lord will hand you over to me. He said, I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He wasn't standing up for himself. He's standing up for his God. He says, you cannot defy my God. David was so confident that if he stood with God, he wasn't looking at what was in front of him, but he was looking at what was beyond him. Because the truth of the matter is, if you see only what you see, you don't see what is really important at all. David could see beyond how big Goliath was because he said, yes, I'm smaller than you, but my God is way bigger than you are. So he stood his ground. And when Goliath began to advance at him, all of a sudden he took his sling and he let go one of those stones and he hit him in his forehead. And all of a sudden, Goliath came tumbling down. He defeated him. Then all of a sudden he went to him. I know this sounds a little gross, but he cut off his head. He cut off his head. And he took it back into the city to let them know what God is capable of doing in order that they might be able to see how great their God is. What a game changer. What a game changer we see in this story. But the truth of the matter is, David's not the real game changer. What changed the game for David was his faith. What changed the game for David was his focus on God. What changed the game for David was that he had a bold confidence that God will see him through this. And I believe he can do the same for you. Because truth of the matter is, victory belongs to Jesus. And it's God who's the way maker the miracle worker, and the promise keeper. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. We're so grateful for this opportunity to understand that although we may not be able to have all wisdom and be able to figure out this giant that we're facing right now, we trust and believe. We stand with bold confidence knowing that your word is true, your word is powerful, and your word can bring down every giant. Your word can give any cure that we need. So God, we plead the blood even now. We pray that you cover us in the same way that you covered your children when you told them to sprinkle the blood on their door doorposts and the deaf angel passed over them. Oh, God, we pray today that you will cover your people, that you will keep us, you will protect us in such a time as this. Oh, God, we pray that you will make a way out of no way. We pray that you will be a miracle worker. 
And oh God, we pray that you will keep your promise in your word. The same way you had made a promise to David and David stood confidently in order that you might be glorified. We pray that the church will stand with you and for you, oh God, not for self-preservation, but that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. God bless you and may God keep you.